Blog Talk Radio. Talking about what what has happened and what will happen and everything in between in the racing world and communities. Uh, I do want to welcome my my partners in crime. I believe we have in the studio Taz Taylor. Taz, how are you? We're doing fine on this uh, up here in New York. Wonderful weather we're having finally. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a turn of the. Uh, Turn of spring, maybe, as uh, old man winter is getting ready to lay down. Man, uh, how you doing, Mr. Craig Moore, in the sunny capital of Florida, right? I mean, the capital of the world right now. The, at least the center of attention seems to be in Florida with Ron DeSantis and the home of Donald J. Trump. How are you today, exactly. It is actually a little cool here today, but I'll take it. <laughs> Not as cold as where I was last week. That's right. And Miss Lee Reed, who's probably in a snowstorm right now. Ms. Lee, how's the weather up where you are? It was absolutely gorgeous today, and it's going to be for the next three or four days, so I'm loving it. Beautiful, beautiful. McDonald's here. So, guys, uh, before we get things kicked off, of course, we got a lot to talk about on the dirt track side of uh, Bristol and all the great things that happened uh, this past weekend. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I can't wait to find out what you guys have. But I have been stirring on this for days, and I'm ready to let loose. You know, I don't really go to Facebook 
Um, I try to stay out of people's comments. I, I'm a very uh, opinionated person. I, I believe my colleagues, my comrades here, uh, can can vouch for the fact that I'm very opinionated. No way. And sometimes, sometimes it seems that I'm just reaching for things. And 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 I'll and I'll say it here. Sometimes I want to keep things entertaining, but this one struck a little bit different. And I, and as always, I try to put on my true detective hat or my true, uh, my true inner being self. And, and so when I found out this uh, little story about uh, something that happened up in a dirt truck somewhere, uh, there was a couple that didn't stand for the national anthem, and they were politely asked to leave. They were refunded their money. And I've seen where a lot of people hip, hip, and hooray. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, and I probably have a different view than than my other colleagues here. And maybe I've tried to make sure that I look at this as a perspective. I, I believe in freedom, and I believe that we're at a time in our nation right now where we are being pulled at the threshold of what freedom really is. And... I, I understand the walk. I understand the, you're damn right, he stood up for America, and he kicked them assholes out of that racetrack. That's great. Like, I, I agree. Like, this man, uh, from what the backstory that I read of him, he was, uh, he was in the military. He served in the military. He's a very patriotic man. And uh, a track owner, look, we need patriotic track owners. And I, and I have a, a friend of mine who runs a track down at Hattiesburg Speedway, and he puts on the most patriotic displays I've ever seen. But before we get all tied up into, well, it is a right to do this, and we have the right to do that, it, let's, let's remember what, what our military has fought for in this great nation we call America. Uh, I, every soldier that I've ever known has come back and has told me, and I've never been a, a serviceman, we have uh, our great leader, Mr. C.J. Sports. He's a serviceman himself. Maybe he can – I think I've heard this out of his own mouth, so I think he's going to be too far off from where I'm where I've said. We went through the Tebow kneeling. We went through the Kaepernick kneeling, and everybody's gotten this great opinion, right? But in the end, isn't it their freedom? Isn't that why soldiers went and died for those – for that couple who obviously didn't want to stand for the national anthem? And and every soldier that I've ever heard from, they've told me that, well, that guy's burning the flag, and and it's bad, and I, I hate that he's doing that. But I went and fought for him just as much as I fight for you, Chris. And I think that for the moment, though, we can be patriotic and we can be glad that people are standing up for their rights, but let's not give away our civil liberties. To please the crowd, and, and that's my opening monologue. Um, does anybody want to add any thoughts to what I just presented? Because I didn't. I don't want to be controversial. I just want people to remember that we do live in America, and it's okay to not agree with your neighbor. It's okay to have different views as the person down the road. It's we've gotten so far in this left and right and extreme and. Uh, uh, tea party, and man, we've forgotten just how to be Americans. And and I, I'm a 9/11 child. My life changed at September 11, uh, 2001, and there was a feeling amongst Americans at that time. 
that I, I, I hope to feel again one day, but I haven't felt it since. Miss Lee, please. For one thing, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a lot of people alive today who have no clue about 9-11. They weren't even born when it happened. But that's neither here nor there. I do not disagree with you. However, was there any explanation of why these people didn't stand? Did, you know, were they not paying attention? Were they protesting? You know, I mean, so we don't, we don't necessarily know that side of the story. And you're right. Long gone are the days when we can have civil discourse and discuss things rationally because it's all about feelings. Right. And, you know, that's crap. I personally am extremely patriotic. My father was a police officer, or retired police officer. He's still with us, thank God. But, um, you know, I've known a lot. I, I grew up, I'm, on, I, I'm at that age where I grew up or knew a lot of Vietnam veterans personally. I was a child back then, but I remember I grew up in Ohio. I remember Kent, Kent State University. Um, I was not allowed to go to Kent State University because of that rep, the reputation that, that, that the place had gotten because of that. But anyhow, you know, we, the four of us, are able to agree to disagree. In general society, you can't do that anymore. You're either one side or the other. And that's what sucks. And so we that can still do that do need to recognize and respect and and try to um, encourage other people to recognize and respect differences and know when to just walk away. It's that freaking simple. You don't have to go to one extreme or the other. Just walk away. And, that, and I'll get off my soapbox now. Uh, perfect. I, I mean, I'm, I'm 110% in agreement with you. If something bothers you and it's not killing the other, it's not killing you, like it's not brutally harming you, you know, it's to the point now to where let's go back to mind our own business. <laughs> I think we would be so much happier as a society if we just did that. But, but there again, I'm a patriotic person as well. And we don't know much about the story. I'm sure that uh, some of you guys have seen it shared around. One thing that I am having a hard time, guys, and I'm going to let you know right now, I'm having a hard time sharing the link to the Facebook page. I don't know if the link has actually gotten out. I've been extremely busy today. I really got home 30 minutes before the show. Um, so I haven't had time to get that link out to the Facebook page. If somebody could copy the itinerary, and if they can click into that link and get it shared to our our Facebook page, I would love you 10 times, a million. Um, my phone's actually completely dead, and so I'm having to run it off the charger there. 
But um, yeah, so I mean, we don't want to we don't want to hold too much time up on this particular subject. Craig, uh, Taz, do you have anything to add to this? Is it something that you've read about or seen already on Facebook? And and what are your quick opinions on it? I've not seen or heard anything about it. So hearing you talk about it is the first thing I've heard about it. It's their right. It's it's shitty, it's, but it's their right, but it's also the track owner's right to say, yeah, well, you're not welcome here. So yeah. it's a catch-20. All right, Taz. Taz is probably... I will just say you should have respect for the flag, but, you know... People will have their own choices. Well, I entirely agree with them, but I'm not going to sit there and say and tell you to do something if you have the freedom choice to do it on your own. Yeah, and so my understanding of the story, just a little, a little quick uh, drop. The owner let everybody know ahead of time. Look, we're a really patriotic place, and if you don't want to uh, stand. For the national anthem, then we just ask you to walk out of the gates. As soon as that's over with, we let you back in. And this couple, I guess, just you know didn't didn't get the memo or something to that effect. Probably was protesting, uh, but they got exactly in my in my terms, they got exactly what they wanted. They got a ten minute monologue on Race Chat Live, how to open a show. They got it shared on Facebook 10,000 times. Exactly. They got people stirred up. And, you know, and that's, that's what I'm tired of. And I'm tired of, I'm tired of these shootings that are displayed on TV every night. And then we wonder why there's more shootings. Because they're, they're, they're making these people famous. We're making these people famous by stirring the pot. And, and, and as you said, Ms. Lee, we come on this show and we understand we're going to disagree. Like, that's part of the game. Like, I want to know your opinion. I respect your opinion. I am your colleague. I, we work together. You have worked enough beside me to know that, hey, I may be far out there in the way that I think, but at the same time, I respect your way of thinking and you respect my way of thinking, and we, we enjoy that. That's the pitter-patter of this radio show. Unfortunately, those freedoms are not conducted outside of this workforce here, outside of this area. Most people don't use they, – they can't, they can't stand to disagree. They can't stand to listen to somebody else's side and, and gather your own uh, opinion off of what they, what they feel like. You know, I mean, and so because you I, hurt I just feel feelings. <laughs> I love it, Ms. Lee. I love it. Look. Look, I right now vote that we from now on say hurt your feelings just like we do. Anybody anybody disagree, say nay. Anybody say anybody disagree, say nay. Then it is it is from now in your feelings. All right. We spent way too much time on that. Probably went just a couple of minutes over. Let's get down and dirty. And when I'm talking about getting down and dirty, I'm talking about Bristol, baby. Come on. Come on. The truck race. It was amazing, right? Y'all enjoyed the truck race. Did anybody get to watch the truck race? We'll start with you. Uh, Craig, what was your uh, what was your highlights from the truck race? Actually, I did not. I was traveling back from New York. Um, I mean, I listened That's to a right. little bit of it. That's right. 
but I did not uh, I did not to watch Saturday Friday or Saturday as we were traveling. Craig Moore, uh, my, of course, our condolences. Uh, we took last week off. A lot of it had to do with uh, your situation. Um, unfortunately, Craig, has uh, he lost his mother and uh, had to go through the uh, funeral process and all of that and has, uh, has had to step away for a week or so as he handled those, those things. So, Craig, we'll get back to you when we get into the cup race because I think that you did have time to watch that. Uh, yeah, Dad buddy. Taylor yeah, buddy. Really- it was it was the Joey Logano show from my end of it. Uh, Tabs, what, what did you kind of think of the uh, of the race there uh, from your perspective? Uh, I mean, you pretty much said it. It was the Joey Logano show. What else do you can you really say? Although, however, um, the top three when it was all said and done um, was the same top three. Uh, for each stage in the same exact order. And what I mean by that is Joey Logano, Ty Majeski, William Byron. Those were your three guys. Yeah, they, they were pretty much the dominant meat uh, truck uh, throughout the whole race, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't so impressed with the truck race. You know, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't all that exciting. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of the, the, the candles already been burnt. Um, uh, they're, you know, this is, this is the third year. It's not as exciting. It's not as inclusive as it was. Uh, from DBC, uh, they stated that there wasn't very many campers there. And there's not very many hotels in Bristol, Tennessee, or the surrounding area of that of that racetrack. So, um, what we've seen is what we had in the stands there, uh, and the truck race. Uh, you know, I mean, it literally, uh, you would have to throw a football 100 yards to hit the, the next person that you've seen in the bleachers. So, um, if the, the if the truck the one, racetrack was if the trucks want to continue to race on dirt, they need to go back to Eldora. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot go back of the to Eldora. With the truck but is hey, the separation I, I, of uh, – uh, go ahead, Ted. I want to, I want to throw in um, it, here that Jess Friesen did not get into the show. I was really, I was really pulling for her to get in the show this year and – Unfortunately, she did not qualify for it, so maybe next year. That's another issue I had. I mean, I could not find heat races. I don't know why the radio didn't have them. I don't know if it was just not, if it was uh, uh, filmed at a different time. I'm still scratching my head on how in the heck my Twitter was telling me that there was racing going on, but yet I couldn't find it anywhere on radios or TVs. Um, if, well, you know, I understand practice and qualifying, but man, heat racing—that is racing broadcast. I don't, I don't know about radio, Chris. I don't know about radio, but the but the uh, truck um, heats were on. It, well, actually, both heats uh, ended up on Fox Sports too, and it's my understanding that that had to do because of the rain out on Friday, and 
you know, prior commitments that Fox Sports had. So, you know, and I know we we can all complain about things being bumped off to channels that nobody's got, and I'm one of the biggest people that complains about that crap. Don't get me wrong. But right, right, right. In this, in this case, though, because of the rain canceling Friday, I, I do kind of understand. Well, my, and my only issue was most of the time when they sent it to a Fox Sports 2, and it's not something, you know, based off of rain or whatever, it wasn't something that was already planned to be on Fox Sports 2. Uh, they get they open it up on the Fox Sports app, and unfortunately this time they did not do that. And, uh, you know, um, I think that uh, if you're trying to sell a product uh, and racing is involved, then we should most definitely be able to watch that. And I think we did see something thereafter. The truck race, I think they aired uh, a replay or whatever, and I got to see a little bit of racing that I had not seen. But I, honestly, at this point in time, I couldn't tell you if that was cup racing or if it was the truck racing side of it. Uh, Tass Taylor, I'm going to give you a quick second uh, to get the finishing order uh, pulled up there on the truck series before we jump over to the cup series. I already guys. got it. Um, you already got it pulled up. That's great, man. Uh, go ahead and give us a, a top ten rundown there and, and any notables. I did see that Gene Thompson, who was in quite a horrific wreck uh, the week before, actually uh, started the truck race and uh, I believe finished, got a top 20 out of it. So go ahead and give us that rundown real quick, Tess. So as I said with the top three, the top three of the race was the top three of the stages in the exact same order, Pagano, Majeski, Byron. Um, then Matt Crafton, Grant, Grant Enfinger, the top five. Jake Garcia, sixth. Chase Briscoe, seventh. Tanner Gray, eighth. Caden Honeycutt, ninth. And Matt DiBenedetto rounded out the top ten. Notables outside of there. Uh, Roger Carruth, eleventh. Haley Deegan, thirteenth. Jonathan Davenport, uh, in fourteenth. Carson Hosevar, uh, the last truck race, truck series race winner, finishing seventeenth. Uh, Nick Sanchez, 18th, Ben Rhodes, 19th, Zane Smith, 21st, Stuart Friesen, who had a top 10 truck for, but arguably top 10, maybe a top five truck for a lot of that race. Um, Unfortunately, finishing 23rd, getting into an incident. Uh, Chase Purdy for KBM, finishing 28th, Christian Eckes, 30th, getting involved with an accident. Parker Klegerman, 31st. Tyler Ankrum, 33rd. And Taylor Gray, 34th. Yeah, Taylor Gray didn't seem too happy. I, I guess his one of his interviews, uh, he uh, he acted like he had a lot of experience on asphalt um, and was uh, kind of ready to get back to it. I was very disappointed as we move over to the Cup uh, series side. I was very disappointed at the public outcry by the drivers of how much they hated this race. Uh, you, you know, look, when we're trying to sell something to the fans, a lot of times the drivers don't like it. And that's fine. You're kind of screwing the product up when you have a mixed emotion of fan bases. Some of them like it, some of them don't. And then you have the drivers who come out and bellyache amongst the media that oh, well, we don't belong here. The racing, we, uh, this is not our style. And, 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 you know, it just, it's bothersome. It really is. Like, uh, 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I figured there would probably be some penalties handed out based off of some comments that I've heard from this past weekend. And uh, I just don't know how that set with y'all. I understand drivers trying to push an issue that they don't really want to uh, do the dirt racing. But, look, we've been we've had eight races. How many different types of racetracks have we gone to? We've gone to short tracks. We've gone to big tracks. We've gone to middle tracks. We've gone to dirt tracks. We've gone to road courses. So we've had five different types of tracks before we've even gotten eight races into the season. These guys are supposed to be proving that they're the best stock car drivers in the world, right? So why can't we go through dirt to prove that? If we've got short track racers and big track racers and intermediate track racers and road course racers, why can't we have a dirt track? And why are so many who the media looks to as these dirt doms, you know, the, the best things that I've ever walked, oh, you – Anytime they can throw the dirt experience in there, let me tell you something, the media by no means missed a shot at that. And it was like the drivers were just ready to cut the media off at the head for even suggesting the fact that my dirt track experience should not carry over to the stock car because the stock car is completely different. But, I mean, isn't sprint car racing completely different than late model racing? Isn't late model racing completely different than modified racing? I'm scratching my head, guys. Help me out here. I know this is not part of the discussion time, but, I mean, it was an awful lot of belly aching from the cup drivers and the truck drivers. Uh, I honestly, I'm not a big fan of the cup cars on dirt. I think the trucks are great on dirt. And as I mentioned earlier, I think they should go back to Eldora. The Xfinity cars, nah. Cup cars, not necessarily. I think when NASCAR first put trucks back on dirt, that it was it was unique. And I felt that that was something that should stay unique to the trucks. Let Xfinity and let Cup find their own unique spot. I hear you, Miss Lee, because you're seeing trucks under, that's their unique thing. Cup Series has the all-star race, that's their unique thing. Right. I feel like Xfinity. I feel like Xfinity doesn't really have their unique thing other than maybe the dash for cash. I guess you can say. I don't know. But yeah, I you know I think each series should have their own unique thing. But I will say this: if if they're gonna run cup cars on dirt, put them on an actual dirt track. I can take that criticism. Yeah, I can I agree. I'm a, I'm a big girl. I'm a big girl. I can handle that. Knoxville wasn't necessarily the place. Let's go back to Eldora. NASCAR, you had a good thing going there, but you and you and Tony Stewart decided to get a little piston match. So, hell, let's make you right. meet. Let's, let's, let's get a reunion going back and throw a big party because we're going back to Eldora. With the cup cars. I love that idea, Lee. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what. Them cup cars, there's no way they could race on Eldora. 
there's there's no I, I just don't think they could do Eldora. I think it's too short. I've been to Eldora. I've seen the trucks at Eldora. And the trucks the trucks were great, but you know, by the final lap, how many car how many trucks do you have on the lead lap? Can you imagine with the cup cars? Only the winner's gonna be on the lead lap. You know. <laughs> so it would have to be a slightly longer track, but yeah, find you know, if if you wanna keep the, the cup cars on dirt, find a track that's good for the for the cup carts. But there but there lies but there lies the question though. NASCAR fans have been trying to figure out if we move um if we keep a dirt race in the cup series but we move out of Bristol but go to a natural dirt track, the problem's gonna be where are you gonna have enough capacity for not only the cup teams, um, but also for an, a cup series um, crowd in the state. crowd and right and the only the only track I can legit legitimately think of that could possibly handle it and I don't even think they have enough capacity for it is Knoxville and literally that's the only true dirt track I can think of and we saw how the NASCAR uh, truck series did with Knoxville and that was a yeah, I mean, that wasn't a good track for these cars, uh, for sure. But, we, but we're all like, we're, oh, you got to have 78,000 fans to sit in. I, I don't think NASCAR's trying to sell that, to be honest with you, because they only had about 40,000, 50,000 fans in the stands anyway at the dirt race at Bristol. But they got a 3.5 viewing rating, which means there was a lot of people at home watching this race. And that's kind of, look, I mean, we're going to North Wilkesboro, right? We go to uh, the St. Louis track, Gateway. You know, these, you know, those are not typically 35,000 or above. Martinsville only sits 30,000 people. So, I mean, you know, I mean, we're not that far off from understanding that the TV value is so much greater than the at-track value. And uh, honestly... I don't expect NASCAR to give up uh, Easter Sunday race. Not when we're pumping three and a half million people viewing it. Second highest uh, viewership of, of anything for the weekend next to the Masters. So, um, you know, where we put this race, I don't know. Do we bring it back to Bristol? I don't think so. Like, I don't know. Uh, does Bristol stay on Easter weekend even if it doesn't? Uh, have dirt on it? That's a good question. I guess NASCAR could do that. Um, you know, that's that is that is one of the hot topics for tonight: to dirt or not to dirt. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. Taz, let's do a quick breakdown on the uh, finishing order from the NASCAR Cup Series side. Uh, Christopher Bell, I mean, he rang it, y'all. Uh, finally, a dirt ringer win, and it's the Bell. Christopher Bell. Uh, there's so many different puns you could go off on that one. Um, he is who we thought he is. And uh, Kyle Larson, you wrecked yourself, buddy. You uh, you, you get a little hot-headed up underneath that thing. I, I think he got the big head after that championship. Honestly, I'm so sick of his shit. 
I don't even care if he races anymore. And I don't know if anybody at this panel would agree with me on that. But I, I, I'm about as sick of Kyle Larson as I was of Jeff Gordon, as I've been of Jimmy Johnson. No offense, Taz Taylor. Um, I mean, it's just the guy almost makes me want to puke every time he opens his vanilla mouth. <laughs> uh, first hot tail. Yeah, Taz, let's try and get that run down, and then we'll move to our first. <laughs> Do you agree with me, Craig? <laughs> I do. He he bitches more than a woman. No disrespect. Like, he's got the he's got the rusty he wallet. about everything. Exactly. He loves about to cut everything. the throat of the media. Who loves the media? Kyle Larson is their darling. Like you know, um, I've never seen a guy who won over the same media that turned on him to put him off, you know, in the position he was in. I mean, you would just never thought the turnaround would be as great as what it's been. But we won't even get off into that. Eventually, he will outlive the fact that he said a racial slur and got kicked off, kicked, got fired, and basically come out smelling like roses by being signed by the best race car team in NASCAR. Obviously, the cheating is race car team in NASCAR as well, but we'll get into that as well later. Uh, Cass Taylor, let's do that top 10, and then we'll move to Hot Topics. We are running behind. <laughs> All right. So, stage one winner, Kyle Larson. Stage two winner, Tyler Reddick. And, of course, your race winner was Christopher Bell with Tyler Reddick knocking on his door in second. Austin Dillon, the rhinestone cowboy with a podium finish, finishing in third. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in fourth, and Chase Briscoe, the top five. Justin Haley, Martin Truex Jr., Todd Gillen, Kevin Harvick, and Ty Gibbs to round out the top ten. Uh, notables, I'm just going to note um, outside of the top ten, I'm just going to list uh, basically the picks uh, that were made in our NASCAR pool this week. Bubba Wallace finishing 12th, William Byron 13th. Kyle Busch with a suspension problem, finishing 32nd. Kyle Larson, as Chris kind of mentioned, wrecked himself out, 35th. And Joey Logano with his issues throughout the entire freaking race, uh, unfortunately DNFing and finishing in the 37th uh, spot. All right, that's your rundown. Uh, Any any stage? uh, Who were the stage winners, Taz? Do you have that? Larson in stage one and Reddick in stage two. Okay. And I'll tell you what, uh, Tyler Reddick is looking stronger and stronger every weekend. I believe Ty Gibbs had him a top 10 or 11 finish, right? (laughs) A little spoiled. Yeah, yeah, a little spoiled there, Gibbs, grandson guy. Yeah. I think a consecutive three races now, top 10 finishes. So, um, Watch out. Ty Gibbs could be knocking on the door. Too dirt or not to dirt is the question. And it's so funny because I look back on so many itineraries, and, 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 and it's this certain phrase has been used so many times, but it, it almost has become its own uh, Shakespearean uh, uh, quote, right? Uh, too dirt or not to dirt, that is the question. And I guess I'll start with you, Craig Moore. What is your serious opinion? Too dirt or not to dirt? Obviously, I enjoy the hell out of the races. Um, I don't compare it to late model racing. I don't compare it. 
I like V8s out. I like the Crown Vic series, the Cruiser class. I, I, I'm a fan of hot shots and and U cars. I'm a fan of midget racing and 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 uh, uh, pro mod. To dirt or not to dirt? That is the question. I think if they're going to dirt, they need to move it to tracks that. Uh, I think they need to move it around like they do the All Star race. I was honestly surprised at how many people were not in the stand. Now, they could have been down in the garage area or in the fan zone watching, but the the, the amount of empty seats was surprising. Now, it could be that it's on Easter weekend. I remember a time that we didn't race on Easter weekend, and we sure as hell didn't exactly. race on Mother's Day. So, yep. and my father and I had this very conversation, me trying to explain uh, dirt racing to a 76-year-old man. It's like trying to tell a three-year-old why they shouldn't touch the stove over and over again. <laughs> so, and I enjoyed it, but it's like, he goes, the stands are empty. I said, Dad, it's Easter. Why the hell are they racing on Easter? It's a holiday. I said, why the hell are we watching it? Why are we watching it? Because it's on. Right. I said, good. So good. I mean, I like this. I think, I think they should have. If they're going to do it, they shouldn't do it on Easter weekend. Uh, just like they shouldn't race on Mother's Day. Um, I, I was disappointed with the fan attendance. I think if you're going to do it, move it around like you're going to like you do the All Star race. Um, and, and see if that happens. And if that doesn't solve the issue, get away, get rid of it totally. It's obviously, I, I, I see the I see the um, class race being the same thing in the next two years. They're going to have to move it out at the Coliseum, or it's not going to mean as much. And, and here I'm thinking they're going to turn it into a cup race because they 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 do this with Bristol for the dirt race, the no lie pit stops, and that's a big hold up into why people believe that the class can't become an actual point thing race. And we've had that argument here on this set uh, earlier in the season, but I'm going to give Taz Taylor a chance to come in to dirt or not to dirt. Well, Chris, you know me with dirt racing. I love the heck out of it. Um, Of course, it's even it's even better it's even better when the track is prepped right when you have multiple lanes of racing going on which is what we had which is what we had this past weekend with the with the cup race at least and it was amazing i mean cuz look at it a couple of years ago when they first did it yeah it was unfortunately it was a um it was a delayed race because of weather a couple of years ago the first time they did it and it was ran in the day, so it was basically a choo-choo train uh, inside the inside lane racing then. But with the transition of going tonight and of how much they've prepped for it, we got what we got. Is this true dirt racing? Uh, I can see Jonathan Davenport's side of it, uh, um, him saying this is not really true dirt racing. But... I don't. I try not I, to compare this to any other form of racing, like you said, Chris. I mean, you. this is thank cup you. cars. This is cup cars um, 
on dirt. On dirt. Essentially. This is this is not like a modified. This is not like a late model. This is not like a four cylinder at all. It. It's a much it is a much heavier car. Um that's gonna be laying rubber down for more than two hundred laps in comparison for more than two hundred laps straight. This is now true dirt racing is basically you go out, um, make like two or three laps to warm up, then you take a break, uh, then essentially you go back out for an eight lap heat race, and then you may come back out for a ten lap B main and then you're back up for a twenty lap feature. So really at most you're doing like a hundred laps. And in the time in the time frame of all that, the track gets watered down like what two or three times there, Chris. So I mean, yeah, yeah. these guys are out. These guys are really out here running two hundred plus laps <clears throat> without really getting any track prep. They're just running the track as it is. Yeah, and it basically becomes a hard concrete track as it was before and once the once that dirt gets packed in once you see that black off once you see that black start sealing in around that racetrack that's it, it's asphalt man and i think jonathan davenport said that pretty much it was like it, it, it was uh uh reminded him of uh of asphalt or something i can't really remember what he said sorry about that um i had something on my mind then then i, then I left me uh, but Taz, uh, as you were saying, but I think if, but as we've mentioned earlier, I honestly think they should try running on a true dirt track. But the only problem <clears throat> I see is what true dirt track can hold a Cup Series event, and the only track I can legitly think of is Knoxville, and we've been there and done that with the Truck Series. And I'm sorry, that was a shit show in its finest. Uh, I'm all for like you know. Let's do ice next, okay? Let's let's you know, calm down, guys. Let's do let's race on ice next. Don't 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 mess that up. Hey, the, let's race. I've heard on the NASCAR Euro Series was trying that one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, help me answer this question. Uh-oh. Oh, did we lose this week? Let me check it out real quick. We may have. What's that? Oh, too dirt or not? Oh, there she is. Well, I I think I made my position pretty clear earlier, but I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the Cup race this weekend. I think it was the best race we've had so far this year. Um. You know, but I, you know, again, I still think the truck should go back to Eldora and let Cup and Xfinity find their own unique thing outside of dirt. Actually, I come to think of this. Um, So I said Knoxville could probably hold a Cup Series event. Let me take a step backwards. I think there may be three dirt tracks that could possibly pull this off, but I don't know what their grandstand situation looks like. 
why don't we try places like the dirt track at Las Vegas or the dirt track at oh. Texas or the dirt track at Charlotte where they hold the world finals? Dang. Why not? I mean, they got, they've got access to bleachers right there. Uh, the, these tracks are sitting in uh, the parking lots of other uh, major speedways. <laughs> um, there's already infrastructure there. Uh, no doubt. I could see this. But, you know, once again, you're going to put 40 cars, 36 cars on a three-eighth mile dirt track. There's just no way it fits. It's just no way. And these cars are so much bigger. I, I would like to see the size circumference if you set it next to a late model. Of course, late model is our, our biggest car. But... um these cars seem so much wider than a late model. Um, See, and, that, sure. and that's and that's why I say that that I don't think that the uh, cup cars would be good at Eldora. Mm-hmm. You know, the the trucks it was it was kind of tight for the trucks, but it was right. a good show. And I think that's what where we got a better show. Because there was actually room for guys to wreck at Bristol and not bring out a caution. Any spin at Eldora brought out a caution. Anybody that was out eight brought out a caution right. at Eldora. If you guys remember, I mean, Bobby Pierce uh, parked it in the fence, and that was a that was like a thirty minute red flag. Um, right. It was unreal. It was unreal how long it took. Right. Uh, and so and at, least, at Bristol. And at Bristol, you had Michael McDowell perfect the 360. <laughs> twice. <laughs> yes. He got the and Blaney did twice. it once. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, and, and, and we went caution-free with that. Uh, no, no, no caution come out. Um, and that's, uh, um, that's a testament to a larger track, uh, you know, versus a, a quarter mile or a three-eighth mile bull uh, ring. Uh, you're not going to have that uh, ability uh, to spin out and do a complete 360 in the middle of the in the middle of the racetrack and not get hit or, or anything hit you know not get hit by anything. Uh, it was unreal. I, I, I I'm torn, y'all. I really am. I enjoyed the race. I understand it's entertainment. I understand that these are not late model cars. I understand that's not a real dirt track. I understand every system that I've heard. And I still try to tell people, but, like, I enjoyed the race. I mean, should I feel bad that I enjoyed it? I, I don't think I should feel bad. Um, <clears throat> I'm willing to I'm willing to do it again. I, I, I'd love to do it again. Uh, based off of the non-announcement, I think that kind of says more than anything. Uh, we have not heard uh, from SMI on whether or not they are going to uh, do this again next year. So, you know, uh, obviously Easter is a rotating holiday as well. So that would mean uh, that this, uh, that this, if Bristol stays on Easter weekend, that would mean that the calendar, the next year's calendar would be different than this year's uh, race schedule. Um, and that's an inconsistency that NASCAR uh, doesn't like to get into. So there are several, several variables. If we don't do this race, I am completely for 
not racing at all on Easter. I don't think that we'll we'll get both. So where everybody's cheering for this and everybody's cheering for that, only one is going to happen. And I believe that there's two variables that work together, and that probably means that we will see a Bristol on dirt next year. If not, then maybe we see a Bristol on Easter Sunday, and that's just how Bristol uh, is from now on. It's the Easter Sunday race. I'm not sure how they handle it. Does Bristol lose a date? I guess that's a question that uh, we, we may have time for real quick. Uh, let's, let's ask, does Bristol lose a date? Pass. If this race is defunct and it's no more, does Bristol lose a race, yes or no? Take away the dirt for Bristol, I do not think Bristol loses a date. Bristol does not lose a date. Craig, does Bristol lose a date if they, do, if they don't do the dirt race? No, they're not going to lose a date. No, they, they won't. They won't. They won't take away two races at Bristol. Ever. All right. All right. Well, I'd have hopes that we would get some kind of. Uh, Oh, yeah, no, they're – I'd be damned we go back to Bristol. Because, look, if we're not going to sell tickets to Bristol, we need to go somewhere else. They don't have any problem selling the September race. So I don't understand what the problem is selling this one. Um, because it's know, we, gave you, we gave you dirt. We've given you a Coliseum, the last greatest Coliseum ever built. And it's still not good enough. This place was, when I was growing up, you couldn't get tickets to Bristol. And that's right. not the case anymore. I don't know. So so let's go back to one day. Let's, let's cut it out. Let's give a reason to go back to tradition. And the only way we can do that is by making a bold statement and giving this race to Las Vegas or somewhere that, uh, that has a dirt track. And uh, we run a dirt track there. Let's go to the next subject, and this was a big one, guys. This was a very big one because the owners have been bickering back at NASCAR all for the last, I would say, year since the announcement that the new deal, the new TV deal, was going to be worked out uh, in the next year or so. Um, There's been a lot of back and forth about how much the pie the owners should get and the charter system. NASCAR is kind of not wanting to guarantee the charter system. Uh, there's teams, all the teams seem to be on board uh, that they want a guaranteed charter system. As one put it, it's like giving you the moon and then being able to take it away. You don't really have the moon if you can take it away. Um, and we know where this is coming from, right? NASCAR said that they can take a, a charter from you. If you have a few bad years and you don't show development in your race team, NASCAR can pull your charter. There's also other ways that NASCAR can pull your charter. What these owners want is a definite, we own this charter. So uh, basically like uh, like an ownership that you have for the NBA or the, um, uh, you know, Major League Baseball. They want the guaranteed ownership where they have to sell in order to leave the sport not be revoked. And that's where the charter system lays now. So 
They had a meeting, a quarterly meeting, and let me tell you guys, there's nothing unusual. They have quarterly meetings, okay? It's just it's just where the representatives, they come in, they sit down, they listen, they see where they're at at the table, they see some earnings, they see some dividends, blah, 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 and then they go about. Well, this one was a little bit different because we are getting in to the, the, the closer this TV deal gets, uh, the more the owners are going to push. And there's some new guys sitting at the table, Curtis Polk. I, nobody knew who Curtis Polk was before – you know, basically, uh, the owner started speaking back. Did you? Did anybody here at this table know that Curtis Polk was the ownership in 2311 before they started talking back on the TV deal? Real quick, yes, yes, no. Nobody no. knew who the hell Curtis Polk was, and nobody no, knew that no he was Michael Jordan's longtime investment. So we, you know, there's there's people that have come to the table and look, they, you know, they sat down and they said, "This is how the numbers are going to work. We're we're too dependent upon." Sponsorship. We don't have a guarantee in our business. I think Chip Ganassi said it on Dale Jr. Download. The reason why he sold is because he never had anybody offer to buy his team. <laughs> like, and actually make money. So um, that's where, you know, uh, I kind of believe Chip in <laughs> um, uh, selling the team to TrackCast. So, um the owners decided in this meeting that it was only going to be about the charters and that they would not get any headway. And so they told NASCAR to reschedule the meeting. NASCAR decided to go ahead with the meeting. My question is, is this the beginning of the end? This is, is this a protest? Because I don't want to see IndyCar turn into cart. Okay. This is not where we need this thing going. I want to know, we've talked about it before here, so it's just not going to be that long of a discussion, but I want to know you guys' views. Is this is this where the owners need to stand? Do you agree that they should make, that they should have full control of their charter? And I'll start with you, Miss Lee, because I know, I know you, you, you can come in on this one really good. Well, absolutely. They own the charter. They should have full control of it. Period. End of discussion. If your team is not profitable, you can sell your charter. If you feel if you have three charters and you're in a financial situation where you can only support two cars, you can make money by selling that third charter. I mean, I I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree. I agree that they should have that uh, that control of that. At some point in time, if they are voted amongst the other owners to have to sell that, uh, I think we're getting closer to a unionized NASCAR. Taz Taylor, pick it up from here. I'm on. I'm on the same page as Lee. If you have, if your team is profitable enough to charter four cars, then you're. Um, then you should be able to charter four cars. However, if you're like, say, JTG uh, Doherty, where you were chartering two cars, then your team all of a sudden couldn't really charter two cars, and you have to downgrade, well, one of your cars is no longer chartered, you you kind of have to play that way. So I feel like there needs to be – someone needs to step foot in there and kind of say, you know – 
we if you're going to be chartering if you're if you can if you can afford to have two charters then we'll let you have time you know NASCAR NASCAR needs NASCAR needs to step in on the Rick Ware deal because I feel like how are they even financially stable to charter two cars when they're always in third anywhere between 35th to 40th unless they're at some lucky track that they can pull something out of their rear end. So we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. A bunch of greedy owners are mad because, well, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this because what it is is we're, we're down to two organizations here. That are that are at risk at any point in time of losing their charter, and that's that's Rick Ware Racing and that's BJ McLeod, right? Those are the guys. Those are the two teams that are suckering it up in the back, right? So, how do you make these teams better? How do you make sure that these teams are improving? That's where NASCAR's got the upper hand. They say, look, if these teams are not improving, and 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 you're not putting a competitive a, a, a a car that can compete with the other competitors, then we will take your charter away. I don't know if NASCAR needs to relinquish that. I I do understand where Ms. Lee says you're the team owner, you should have control. The only way that you can get somebody to sell something is if you have a partnership and an agreement beforehand, a union that says, hey, we are in this together, and if you are not fit for us, then we're going to ask you to sell. And they, you can't union with NASCAR, so this has to be a unity amongst the other driver, the the other owners, right? Because because Harry. they're going to stand right now. They're going to stand right now with Wick Ware and BJ and BJ McLeod Racing, even though they are the true enemies because they are the they're the cars that are not competitive. They're they're creating wrecks on Sunday, costing these other teams money because they. They don't have the the proper equipment, and yeah, in the league, you said it, parity, right? Exactly. Parody. That's that's where the parity comes in, and that's what this new car is supposed to be the start of, where everybody's on an even playing field with similar equipment, not like you know. 50 years ago where you came to the track with whatever you had. No, now everybody's on an even playing field in order to bring the cost to the team owners down. We're going to standardize this stuff, certain things. So to make it more affordable for teams like Rick Ware and BJ McLeod to be in a little more eight, even playing field, and I just have to shout out that Rick Ware was a regular on the show with uh, Jason and Loves I racing. way back in the day, and we also had Loves DJ racing. on on a regular basis as well. Right, right. Who we were very fortunate of their circumstances, right, because they bought some charters at a time where they were next to nothing. Now you've got people like Dale Earnhardt Jr. who wants in on the sport. And he does. He doesn't want to pay twenty five million dollars for the go and race for the charter. Now the the teams that are selling these charters for twenty five million dollars doesn't even don't even bring in twenty five million dollars worth of sponsorship in a year. But they know what it's worth, 
And that's where all this is even more confusing because Rick Ware, if Rick Ware and B.J. McLeod sold their charters to a team like Dale Jr. or a fourth, a third Denny Hamlin team, but then what's the next team that's going to be at the caboose, right? Is it, I guess it's going to be JTG and Wood Brothers, right? So those you're just pushing the worst teams on down the line. The better the field gets, there's still going to be people who finish last. That's racing. There's always going to be people and teams that are off pace, right? Craig, come on in. Well, I look at it this way. If you're not performing – and NASCAR NASCAR owns the charter, they're pretty much the boss. So, you know, it is what it is. If they say you're not performing and we're going to sell your charter to the highest bidder, well, it's either shit or get. You know, if you're not going to perform or you can't perform because you can't afford to um Hire the staff necessary to make your car a top 10, top 15, top 20 car. That sucks to be you. Maybe you ought to go play badminton. Uh, My question is what? Badminton, right? My question, Taz, uh, Craig Moore, is what? Who does NASCAR inherit this $25 million uh, franchise tag? And they turn around and sell it to Junior and his colleagues for $25 million? Do they give it to the highest bidder? Like, at what what at what at point in time? Because once NASCAR owns this charter again, it's virtually worth nothing, right? Because they're the ones who passed it out in the first place. So that kind of makes everybody's charter not really worth anything. And they're just paying a bunch of money for some rights that they're, you know, really kind of, can be worked out in another deal and in another structure. But for the first time ever, these race teams have something to bargain with. They no longer just have equipment to sell. They have a a medallion. They're basically – and I think that's something that the original owner of Richard Petty Motorsports, I think that this is part of his idea uh, with the whole uh, charter system was, you know, similar to his yellow cap and the medallions that they had. Uh, in New York City and other places, uh, the, which which basically gave them the right to run the cab services. Um, so it it is weird how uh, some of that's kind of been adopted here. Uh, Craig, any other thoughts on the uh, uh, basically the protest with the owners and uh, um, NASCAR? <clears throat> no, I don't. They didn't show up. They didn't show up. No, well, I the think it's a bold statement. Yeah, I think it's a ballsy statement on their end. But what are they going to get out of it in the end? Is there going to be – are there going to be penalties assessed and then they can appeal them? Or is it penalties are assessed and that's the damage and you pay it or else? Can they unify on this? Do they even know how to agree with each other, much less bring something to the table to – uh, try to convince NASCAR, and and can this be done without uh, a union? I don't think this can be done without a union. I think that we are at that point, and a union means a lockout. So a lockout means that these teams just decide that hey, 
with, even though the charter system says I have to show up to all 36 races, if all if all 36 teams don't show up to your 36 races, then that's called a lockout. And would Hendrick Motorsports be able or willing to do something like that? I don't think so. I don't. I think. Uh, I don't think Hendrick's they are. Next, I don't think they got the balls to do that. I really don't. I, I, you know, we've got to, we've got a little bit of a subject of uh, Hendrick Motorsports coming up next. It's a little teaser there. I do believe that we've jumped right out of stat of the day or stat of the week. Uh, did we ever get a stat of the week? It's been so. Oh man, I mean, it's just been it's been wild. Do we have a side of the week available? Maybe we you, get one. You talked uh, you talked about the viewership already. I did. Okay, I did. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, that leaves us. Uh, anybody else got any thoughts on the uh, the protest? I'm just going to throw this out here, playing devil's advocate. Um, you know, talking about parity and trying to bring bring costs down and whatnot and you know competitive teams what does this whole charter system do to teams that are trying to work their way up and wanting to compete in the cup series when a charter costs $25 million. You know, we talk about the cost. We talk about the cost of racing and, you know, I've, I've talked to drivers and, and I know what tires cost in the lower series and, and how difficult it is for them to make it, to the races week to week because of the costs that they incur. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit different when you're talking about a driver versus a team, but it, but it's still the same concept. What you're, you're still pricing, it, it, you're still a, pricing amazing. these people out of, an attempt to move up unless they've got deep lined pockets and good sponsorship. Right. And we've seen that with colleagues or colleague racing, right? Uh, and they're, they're the, they're the unusual. I, we've watched front row motorsports. So they're, they've been around for 15 years and yeah, they've made much improvement where they began, but even still they never did develop into this top notch uh, uh, competitive, ultra competitive racing, um, and, and so you got a colleague racing that's kind of broke the ranks and, and has come up from an Xfinity team into the into the Cup Series. Of course, you had the Denver Mattress team, uh, uh, Furniture Row, uh, for years that was around. That was you know raced out of a man's back pocket. I think colleague racing is similar to that. How do you get more exactly? Who do, you, who do you think funding colleague? It's Matt Colley and Chris Wright. Right, right. And 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 that's that's ballsy. I mean, that's ballsy. Of, uh, that's that's you know, um, they have a lot to lose, and the odds are against them. You look at the owners that have come and gone. Uh, Gin Racing, 
Um, exactly. But more right, all the original. June Dunn, I mean, yeah. Like, so just, just count the ones that are still here and be fortunate that you still have those guys because uh, some of your most famous enterprises are no longer uh, in the Cup Series, including – Including Richard Petty, right? Uh, so you know that's uh, you exactly know, that's where we're at. That's what happens in the sport. You get eat up pretty quick and spit out. Uh, you're lucky if you get to stick around and become an icon. Um, let's get to uh, the third subject of the evening, and I believe that is what is it, guys? Let's see. Um, oh yeah, NASCAR give us penalty. And then Bill's panel take us away. Of what it is, bullshit. Lee, <laughs> I'll start with you again. Steve O'Dee was on uh, Race Hub the other night and talking about how they are going to, going forward, make the appeals process more transparent. They're going to give the public the opportunity to see actual penalties, the pieces, the parts, whatever. And they also want to make the appeals process more public. Um. The whole shenanigans with Hendrick getting all their points back and colleague only getting 25 points back, in my mind, is a bunch of BS. It is. It's farce. You know, whether, whether Hendrick was able to argue better, it, you know, and, and this is something that, that really ticks me off. At the very beginning, when the um, penalties were first announced, there was talk about Hendrick and Colleague working together to appeal because they were both hit with the same thing. And that obviously didn't happen, and I blame that on HMS. Because they find they figured out you know we're gonna we're gonna do our own thing and and let colleagues you know fly in the wind, so that that really angers me. Yeah, especially because Chris, Chris Rice came out and mentioned that colleague had given Hendrick. <laughs> yes, yes, a pair of louvers to replace the ones that got confiscated, yes. and Hendrick still no alliance. Let them hang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, better lawyers. Rich people have better lawyers. I swear. Craig, you're too quiet, man. All right. Yeah, I'm quiet. Um, I don't know. I think the uh, – I, I agree. NASCAR needs to do something to show us, the public, how the hell this whole process is done. I, and I agree with Lee. How do you heavily penalize or 
take away penalties from one organization point and re- give them back their penalties and then but only take 25 give 25 back to another one but aren't those two uh in bed together don't they don't doesn't colleague get their parts from Hendrick yes yeah okay so it kind of makes me wonder you know and and I think it was pretty shitty on Hendrick's part not to help them because they have a technical alliance. Exactly. I think, NASCAR, I think NASCAR needs to figure out a way to show us the, the the public what how this process is done, what what all goes through with it. Um. And I don't know who just put that in there, but I was getting ready to say that there needs to be consistency across the board as far as penalties go. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that if you're rescinding that one penalty. If you're rescinding one penalty and it's a part that another team got from their affiliate, how in the hell do you not rescind that penalty as well? Well, and this uh, is interesting, and, and Taz po- uh, posted this in our chat, that the appeals panel is never the same people each time. That right. I did not know. And that's very interesting. And I guess that gives us the answer as to why the rescinding was so different. But that's crazy. You know, if the NASCAR panel that hands out penalties is the same every time, why is the appeals panel not the same every time? Or at least race to race. At least race to race. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Taz, what's your thoughts? Oh, boy. Uh, A Hendrick fan, you know, you would think I'd be excited about this. You know, how the first first penalty, you know, the first penalty was where the points were given back, but the fines are still there. Well, honestly... I'm kind of ticked off, and I bring up the whole um, Brad Keselowski deal last year of how he was assessed the same L2 penalty with the points and the fines and the suspensions, and when he appealed, he lost entirely, didn't get jack shit back. Hendrick, on the other hand, Oh, here's your points back, but you know your fine and suspension still remain the same. Okay, this is where I'm starting to get a little concerned because now I'll wait, uh, but I'll wait on the colleague penalty, whatever penalty happens or appeal happens, and you only get a quarter of their points back, and everything else stays the same. And like I've said, where the flying Freaking French toast is this freaking consistency in this goddamn place. The appeals panel is the appeals panel's never the same, so there's no consistency there. The appeals decision is, is doesn't make any sense. How is it okay for one team but not the other? Uh, that's a great question. 
And I think that that's put a hole into the the the, the cloth here. NASCAR wasn't pleased about it, obviously. They went out and took revenge on uh, Alex Bowman and William Byron uh, by taking their cars to the Research and Development Center and uh, uh, handing out penalties for a greenhouse uh, infraction, whatever that greenhouse is. I'm not sure, but it cost uh, Alex Bowman and William Byron both uh, 60 points and uh, a hefty fine on top of the $400,000 fine that uh, Hendrick already had. Obviously, Hendrick used somebody on the board's uh, appeals panel, and so the way the appeals panel works is there are certain people who are on the appeals panel, and they are mostly never seated the same way. But they do see, uh, um, they do sit, and uh, uh, for for more than one appeal. So they're 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 the same people, but most of the time there's it's three of them, and they're not in that same order with the next appeal process. It'll be you know it's uh, Kathy, Joe, and Mark, and then it'll be Kathy and David and Jim, you know, um, it's just, that's just how the appeals panel works. So some of these guys have been on the appeals panel for a very long time. And uh, I believe, you know, this, this is the hole in it. Like uh, NASCAR, well, Hendrick was able to argue it a little bit better than anybody. Of course, they put out uh, their side of the story. The media stuck, you know, the camera in in Chad Knauss and Jeff Gordon's face as they whine, whine, whine the world. Uh, over their penalty, how can you come at us like this? This was given to us, but yet Elton Sawyer clearly said on Sirius XM Radio that it was an obvious infraction, that it was obvious that there was an intent to gain uh, an advantage here, and that's the reason why it wasn't considered the penalty that it was considered. Um, And, you know, obviously what I believe from day one was the lover that colleague had was actually a lover that Hendrick probably gave colleague and said, here, you right. know, and that's, that's the but whole behind the scenes thing that's never been admitted. The other, the other piece that people aren't hearing about or aren't looking at, it was not, they never raced with the part. They were confiscated after practice. So were they there raced was the week no... before? Do we know that? If they were raced the week before? We don't know. I have a feeling that my No, no, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Weren't those louvers exclusive to that track? Sure, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure if that's been answered. That's a great question. I believe, I believe no. that they, the louvers were exclusive to that particular race and they were never used in the race now so why were the penalties that heavy now chris mentioned why were they raced in the previous race and like you said lee you brought up a good point however they do also have post-race inspections um, for usually, I think, like the top 
five or top ten, however they do it, um, right after the race. So if there was illegal parts, they would have caught it during that post-race inspection. However, on top of that, they also, NASCAR does also select um, like two or three cars outside of the cars that don't get uh, or whatever at the end of the race. They they they, they bring take them to the, the top, They center. take the top two. They take the top two, and then I believe they select one or two random beyond that to go back to R&D, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, so they could have easily pulled a Hendrick car out of this random deal or whatever, and they would have found it then. So the for NASCAR, so I do not believe these louvers were used at a previous race. Because no, for, if they were, that, if they were, there's something, there's something sticking in my head that these louvers were particular to that race. Well, particular really to that race on the first time. Most of the time, most of the time, it's on down the road when you find out that your spouse is cheating. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh Lord have mercy! Um, yeah, and and uh, obviously it's gotten disgusting, right? We're at we're at the point where uh, cheating used to be part of racing. Now it's gotten too serious. Now it's you know we want we want everything to be equal. That's the point of this car, and Hendrick is never going to follow that. And I think that when you look at the side that RFK and these other teams have taken, look, we can't afford to stay alive if we're going to make these kind of penalties. These kind of penalties at this rate and this cost, it will kill our bottom line. Like, we're already only making a half a million dollars. How are we going to pay a half a million dollars in fines? <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's the point that they're trying to make. So Hendrick can keep writing the checks and cheat all they want to, right? Um, obviously, Jeff Gordon says that Hendrick hasn't ever made any money, not in the last 20 years anyway. So, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, they can cut the check. Um, I, th- I think that, uh, y- you know, look, hopefully it's a wide awakening that they're on the same playing field as everybody else. As, as fast as they are week in, week out, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's true. I think uh, Hendrick will maintain his control of the sport. It is something that we've seen with Penske and IndyCar. It's something that we've seen with Red Bull or with Mercedes for quite a long time in uh, Formula One, and now, uh, you know, Red Bull is doing the same thing. I think the greatest thing of NASCAR is the parity, and uh, I think we're seven different winners in eight races. So uh, the parity seems to still be there, but uh, if, if Hendrick continues to push these issues, I hope that they're caught and I hope that they're held to the penalties that they're given because uh, if not, then we're just – it would be interesting to see Alex and them dig themselves out of the 100-point hole uh, that they had found themselves in. And, and I know that they'd be able to do it, right? I mean, that's without a doubt that they could have. Uh, but uh, anything else before we go to uh, the last hot topic, and then we'll go into Black Flag Ticket Flag. Let's go. 
Larry Mack, Hall of Fame. No doubt. No brainer. What's your favorite Larry Mack? No brainer. There already. Yeah, me too. How in the hell is he not there already? How has he not even been nominated yet, right? I mean, we put in we put in Lester already. And we're talking about a guy who's got two Daytona 500. He's got, uh, you know, I guess near championships. Uh, he was Dave, Davey Allison's crew chief, so all of Davey's wins, I think, are calculated with Larry Mack. Um, of course, uh, he was the crew chief of Dale Earnhardt when Dale Earnhardt finally won the Daytona 500. Um, done things in the broadcast booth for 20 years. Like, I remember them pushing Larry Mack out of the booth, and I'm thinking, what the hell are they doing? What are they thinking? You know, like, Larry Mack, is, he's part of DW and Mike Joy. Where, where, why would we get Larry Mack out of there? And now when he came back, it's, oh, he's the savior and all. And we're like, no, we already knew this. Like, he, he this guy studies more. He still studies his broadcasting job as if he's the best crew chief in the cup garage. I mean, that exactly. is Larry McNuggets. Exactly. I don't care. I don't care how many years Larry Mack's been out of racing. I learned something from that man every freaking weekend. I do too. I do too. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Hall of Fame, put him back in the booth. We've been searching for this third broadcaster. He's been there the whole time. And Larry knows what he's doing. He knows how to fit himself in. And, uh, you know, Mike Joy, I don't know if the guy just got old all of a sudden. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm hearing mistakes after mistakes from Mike Joy, and I'm just, I'm just not accustomed to hearing that. And Clint Boyer, that guy can just get off the rails. I don't think he's got anybody to reel him back in. So, um, yeah, we're go- it's off the charts. He's more off the charts than I am at times. Um, and, 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 and just talking over himself. I swear. Like, I didn't know that there could be somebody that could even compete uh, with that type of ability. But, uh, hey, the greatest ability is what? Availability. Availability. That is Knowledge. the ability. <laughs> all right. So we all agree. We all agree that Larry Mack deserves to be at the Hall of Fame. Uh, what, what's your favorite Larry Mack moment? Do you have one? Actually, this is a great segue into the question that you posed in the group chat earlier about who we think were the best broadcasters or are the best broadcasters in NASCAR. Because obviously Larry Nack's one of them. He would be on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but uh, but 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 we only are going to do three, and we're going to and and I and I love that message. Should we leave that as a tease? Because normally that would be a radio tease, right? Or do we or do we or do we indulge? We can go ahead and have our milkshake before we eat our supper. It's okay. Yeah, let's 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 go let's go ahead and go for it because I think that's the perfect segue for it. All right. And I'll right. go ahead. So, I'll, go, I'll go first. I think the best broadcasters in NASCAR 
Alan, well, Larry Mack, obviously, you know, is my first choice. Um, Alan Bestwick and Steve Burns with an honorable mention to Dr. Jerry Punch. You know, I was so glad that I got to hear his name mentioned because he is he is another one that deserves uh, all the recognition in the world. And Ken Squire as well. And I think that uh, we all just kind of take advantage of the Ken Squire and Ed Jarrett days. Uh, some of us are just a little bit, you know, just a little bit old, a little bit. I'm not old enough yet. Maybe Craig is, Miss Lee, y'all are a little bit older than me. But me and Taz, we're the youngins here. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, in my time, my three top three broadcasters in that are Eli Gold, like, you know, I remember the old TBS days um, and uh, the TNN days as well. And uh, so Eli Gold was my favorite. Bob Jenkins, uh, the legendary Bob Jenkins, the voice you'll hear when Days of Thunder comes on. Uh, and, and, of course, right. the, the Dick Bergeron. Dick Bergeron, I, I have to say yeah. – He's touched me in two in two areas, right? He's he's given me a broadcaster side. Hey, I knew Craig was gonna come in on that. He gave me the broadcaster, and he also gave me the greatest magazine that the entire world has ever seen, and that's Speedway Illustrated. Because back before YouTube right. and Facebook and and Instagram, the only way that I knew that there was a such thing as a big block modified. Or that there was A mods and B mods and 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 all these other cool classes that are all around the United States and around the world. It was through Speedway Illustrated, Dick Bergeron. And I thank you, Chris, Dick, because you you're were not, Chris. You're not that much younger than than Craig and I if you're bringing up those names. <laughs> oh, man. I was trying to. I was trying to ride the back seat in the Cadillac with Taz, but Taz a little like they done set me up front. So it's you're on your own, youngin. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> well, Taz, what's your top three? Because you're probably you're probably off the accord of what me and 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 uh, Miss Lee and and Craig are. And, and Craig, I can't wait to hear yours. But Taz, bring it on in here. Tell us what your top three are. Um, I put down Larry Mack, Alan Bestwick, and like I said, I don't know how I didn't even think about Dick Berger, but I throw I threw in a third one, and this really showed my young in age was I put in James Hinchcliffe. Um, just something it, it seemed like he was just natural with James Hinchcliffe. I mean, yeah, he's a driver, but he. Something with him, he just naturally fit into the booth as if he's been doing it for years. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I can't. I I love that one, Taz, because I love Hinch in the booth too. I think he does a great job. Kind of similar to the DW, right? I mean, he did. He made that transition flawless. He he went from driver to broadcaster without ever missing a beat. And I think right. that that's pretty tough to do. And I think that other drivers try to mimic the uh, the, the perfect transition that we had for 20-plus years with Daryl Walter for 18, 18, 19 years. 
that we had with Walter. But now remember, Walter was in broadcasting for years before he became the the lead, the lead broadcaster. He had been he he had been doing, uh, I believe, one of the first races I can remember is like '93 or something like that, where he was up in the booth in a bush in a bush race um, on CBS at that. So uh, um, that can only go so wow. But, uh, yeah, so um, – and, and unfortunately, Daryl Walter would probably be one of the greatest broadcasters not mentioned here. Um, but, uh, Craig, uh, I do love that James Hinchcliffe. I really do. Like, I agree with that 100%. Um, kind of a flawless uh, transfer. A lot of times, you know, injury creates this. But Paul Tracy, you know, he's a good broadcaster. Uh, but James, he, he's been able to kind of uh, curve out his own – uh, fan base, but Craig, what what are you, what's your top three? And I'm, one of yours is one of my favorite guys as well. I can't wait to hear his name. I love how it's said. What are your top? Who's your top three? Ned Jarrett, Eli Gold, Chris Economaki. Uh-huh. <laughs> boy, boy, I love it. I can see him right now on pit row with his bald head and his and his earmuffs on it and and. Well, Ken, I tell you now that these cars, they are fired up, and we are going to see a show of a lifetime here at Daytona International Super Speedway. <laughs> Come on! Did I, did I, did I kind of get it? Did I get it? Yeah, you got and it. Kaz, Kaz, do you recognize that name? Which name is this? Chris Economaki. Uh, I don't. I'm. I don't think I've heard of that. I feel like I've yeah, heard of it, but I can't Carson. put face to name. And back in the speed days. Yeah, we all. Yeah, he. Yeah, yeah, yeah we he are. Old. Old. He was Dave Despain. He was Dave Despain before Dave. De- he was. He 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 taught Dave to Spain how to be a pit road reporter. I you know what I <laughs> I had Dave to Spain on my longer list. Right. Well, we could just we could just name out some names though. It's we are blessed in the in the racing industry. Even Rusty Wallace is a hell of a broad on MRN. Like I hated Rusty Wallace as a driver. Could not stand him. Felt like he was a whiny ass kitty baby all the time. But I like hearing Rusty Wallace on MRN radio. So there you go. Um, black flags, checker flags. Let's move into our final uh, gig of the night before we get into Taz Taylor's hot picks. Um, the very first uh, of the night. Larson says we shouldn't race on dirt. I think we picked this one in the ground here. Uh, uh, I give it a black flag. I'm sick of hearing these drivers bitch and complain. Craig. Black flag. Quit your bitching and start racing. Hell yeah. Chad Taylor. Black flag because he's only saying it because he didn't win on dirt. Black flag. Black flag. (laughs) Black flag. And I like Larson. That's a black flag. I'm so sick of Kyle Larson. Jesus, how many more times are we going to say his name before the end of the show? Probably at least three or four times. 
Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson. All right. Bubba Wallace states, NASCAR claims it's entertainment business. But we already knew that. Well, Check your flag, right? Oh, somebody yeah, said, Bubba, whoa, hey, it's a break. For, thanks for nothing, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as clear as the noose that he said yeah. hung up on the that was hanging from the garage stall. Do you know I who mean, Captain Obvious reminds me of? From the commercial Captain Obvious, do you know? Do you know who he reminds me of? He was a he was a no. former team member here. He's a former team member here. Damian Bean. They they look exactly alike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Taz Taylor, check your flag on that one. Bubba says it's entertainment yeah. business, but is it WWE? No, no, I don't think so. Either. W- well, well, no, it could be WWE and UFC. Are, uh, WWE and UFC are now uh, owned by the same parent company. That's uh. I don't know how that's going to work out. Okay, so uh, Miss Lee, wait, who did we not do black black chicken flag for this one? I I say it's black flag. NASCAR, yeah, it's entertainment, but it's not an entertainment business. It's a sport. Right. Right. It is entertainment, but it's a sport as well. And Bubba Wallace is crazy for trying to make that an issue. Uh, Daniel Flores and Ron Capps join SRX. This is our, we have to put something about SRX into the show because, uh, well, there's a couple of fans yeah, here and I'm one of them and Taz is another and Craig thinks it's the senior tour. So we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Ha ha ha. It's so damn funny. <laughs> so you better give them a checker flag. I'm yeah. giving it a checkered flag. I'm giving it a checkered flag because I'm excited to see Ron Cap do. I, yeah, I'm excited to see if Ron Cap can do nothing, if he can do more than just go in a straight line for 300 feet. Right, hey, exactly. I mean, hey, Ron, not nothing did, but newsflash, you hey, got to turn left. Did, did y'all forget he's ran the prelude to the Dream Eldora dirt race a number of years ago when that was a thing? Yeah. Okay, but that was a number of years ago. It was like when I used to not have a bald spot in the back of my head. I mean, it was a decade ago. <laughs> that, that was a long freaking time ago. <laughs> Dude, no lie. I looked at the camera at Walmart tonight in the little TV above the self-checkout because, God forbid, they think you're going to steal something. And I went... Holy shit, babe, that ball spot's getting bigger. She goes, no kidding. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and of course, uh, my phone was in I, the car, so I couldn't take a picture. I get the Amigo, and I get Ron Capps. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Checkered flag, SRX, this is what we needed you to do. This is what we need you to do to be the all-star racing series that you intend to be. And if you can get Ron Katz, then go ahead and go get Tony Schumacher or get Antoine Brown. Let's bring in a couple more of those guys, right? And let's go grab let's go grab Dennis Anderson from 
from uh, monster trucks, right? Well, I want to see Dennis Anderson in an SRX car, right? I mean, that guy knows how to crush it, baby. So I, I, I can only imagine what the hell he'd do in an SRX car. Um, or even Adam Anderson, if Dennis is too old to do it. You know? Like, that's the, that's the point of this series. That is the point of the series. We're going to have uh, our Mexican amigo uh, giving out the nachos and queso dip, right? Uh, and then we're going to have Ryan Caps, who just knows how to send it straight. But, but now he's going to make turns. So I mean, we need a road course, and we need we need a we need an ice skating ring. I, I saw that that's our X series is doing pretty good. All right, uh, anybody else got a black flag, checker flag on that one? I don't believe so. Right, we're moving right along, moving right along. Jonathan Davenport makes NASCAR debut. I give it a checker flag. I think it's cute. I think he did a good job. I think. Uh, I want to see him in a truck race at maybe Richmond, like he said in his interview. I would like to see him back out there again. Um, He did decent in the truck race. He got wrecked out in the cup race. You know, so I think think he would do well in, in another race, but definitely in trucks. Mm-hmm. Definitely on truck. Yeah, I could. I mean, hey, let, hey, let's throw him on a road course. And did y'all know that Joey Logano and Jonathan Davenport raced each other in Legends? I did not know that. Wow, I didn't either until I heard it from Jonathan Davenport. They actually raced Legends together and won. And and being that uh, Jonathan Davenport's from Georgia. Uh, you know, Joey Logano raced in Georgia, and they raced the legends together. And as uh, Jonathan Davenport said, uh, one went in one direction, and one, and he went in the other. And now here they are. So Jonathan Davenport and Joey Logano actually knew each other uh, before before this. So they they were acquaintances and had raced against each other before. Oh, That's a neat tidbit. Uh, yeah, it is a neat tidbit, uh, Craig. Uh, well, what's your Jonathan Davenport? Check flag, flag, flag. Great. flag. Good for the sport. I mean, is it good for dirt racing that he's racing NASCAR? Does that have any effect on him whatsoever? I think so he's got NASCAR started now. I think it's great for everybody involved. Now, if that were to keep up and he were able to get a couple more deals, like you said, Richmond, maybe. Uh, that that might be good for him, and good for both uh, uh, both avenues of the sport, motor racing itself. Yeah, Dirt all around. I like it. All around. Yeah. Hey, look, Josh Berry, the success he's had. We could see some Jonathan Davenport being the next Josh Berry. Uh, you know, I, I I love this marriage, this reunion that was supposed to have happened when NASCAR went to dirt, because we all need to remember that there was a time where dirt fans hated NASCAR, NASCAR hated dirt fans, and there were those of us that were just motorsports fans with our arms fucking up in the air talking about what the hell happened. Why can't we all get along? Sound like Rodney King in, in, in the L.A. rides. Can't we just get along, right? Exactly. Man, who, all who all of racing. 
all of racing needs needs to support all All we need is love. All we need is love. Love. Well, you know what? You you can joke about it, but, you know, if, (laughs) if you look at the statistics, you know, attendance and whatnot has fallen off. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons behind that, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But anytime Biden. you can have someone from one type of racing cross over to another and be be competitive, I'm not going to say be successful, but be competitive. It's good for whatever types of racing we're talking. The crossover is. Yes. And no, I'm not talking. And no, I'm not talking Danica. Right. Well, I mean, Danica was good at road courses. Danica, if she would have just solely focused on the seven road courses that we have in our Cup Series now, Danica Patrick would have probably won a freaking race. But back then, we raced two road courses twice a year. She had to race Xfinity, Arca, and and Cup Series that she was going to race seven uh, 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 road course races in a year. Now you can get all that in the Cup Series. So it's definitely even now a different time than what it was 10, 10 years ago when Danica Patrick uh, was, was was testing the waters in the Cup Series. I love it. Right. Hey, let's, let's, keep on, let's keep on cross-pollinating because I think in the end it's, it's doing some good. I knew, like, y'all know that my my show writing skills are getting better because of certain things like in tonight's show where the broadcasters and Larry Mack in the Hall of Fame and, and, and now this one here uh, where we're talking about NASA, our next black flag checker flag because I knew I had to put a black flag in here. And I knew that most of my constituents would say that NASCAR on Easter, give it the black flag, right? So that's just, I'm just tooting my own horn here. I wanted you guys to realize I'm getting kind of good at writing the show and how they all kind of just work in amongst each other. But this isn't the first time. Hopefully you guys have already noticed that. But all in all, just thank you because I know that uh, this has been a process getting the show where it is today. I know that y'all have been committed 100, 1,000% to making this show a good show. And, man, I swear to God, we're having, we've had a hell of a show already tonight. NASCAR racing on Easter, black flag, checker flag, Cass Taylor, I think I've skipped you all night long. I put you last on this all night long. Step up, my friend, because you're next on Taz's Hot Picks. What is it, Taz, black flag, checker flag, NASCAR racing on Easter Sunday? Because what I see by the ratings is where my flag's going. What is your opinion? Black flag, checker flag. Uh, this is going to be flag flag. I can't put into, I just see it as like, it's a holiday weekend. Why are you racing that holiday weekend? Just take the week off, you know, spend it with your families, regardless if you celebrate the holiday or not. Just if it's a holiday weekend, just take it off. Mother's Day or Easter, which one? If you had to choose one or the other, which one would you choose? Both. That's not in this, but I want to know. I, both? Those I would are, pick those up. Those are your two off days. Yes. I would say stop racing on Easter weekend. Okay. Easter weekend. 
I, I think that the risk of losing a driver on Mother's Day has always been uh, my biggest fear. We've lost a driver here on Easter weekend. That's that's terrible. Justin Owen, rest in peace. Um, Wreck in Lawrenceburg and the USAC series took the life of a 29-year-old driver, Justin Owen. Um, may he rest in peace. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I thought back when I was growing up, you didn't race on Easter and you didn't race on Mother's Day. And it was because you didn't want to risk if something bad happening on either of those important days. Uh, Easter's always been your mother's holiday. That's, you know, your mother's the one that drug you to church, made sure that you were dressed, made sure that you went to Sunday school. You know, your mother and Easter kind of go together. And they're, they're not a lot of times close to each other. And I think that that would give the drivers a good chance to have both days off. So we've got to roll. Uh, Craig, NASCAR on Easter Sunday, black flag, checker flag. Black flag. Black flag. I'd rather they race on Mother's Day. I would go checker flag because I'm looking at the ratings. Um, I would rather them be off on Mother's Day. I'm looking at the ratings. Uh, just as Thanksgiving is a great day for football, uh, uh, Christmas is a great day for NBA, um, and of course uh, Easter looks like it could be NASCAR's holiday. So um, that's uh, I give it the checker flag based off of what I've seen in, in the ratings. All right, Taz Taylor, it's Taz's hot picks. You take it over from here, buddy. All right, so we go to Martinsville this weekend um i don't remember if it's a day or a night race to be honest with you but anyways um so with that being said favorites i have Denny hamlin joey logano kyle bush contenders um ryan blaney brad keselowski alex bowman and for underdogs i have ryan priest Josh Berry, Chris Busher. And anybody have missed on that list? Up to the panel. Yeah, that poor baby in the background. I know it's gotta be gotta be pulling at you, Taz. If you need to go, we'll we'll just send you the picture and as we discuss off the rest of them. I do understand. Um sometimes you got fussy babies. And cherish it while they're young. I just uh, we just purchased my son, uh, Junior, his first pickup truck. Um, so Craig can can go for the, they 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 don't stay small for very long. I enjoy it even even in their even in their desperate cries. Enjoy it. I find some way to enjoy it because it, 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 it that's the old song by Darius Rucker. It won't be like this. And uh, I thought that's the truest thing I've ever heard. So the first thing that I noticed of Taz Taylor's hot picks was there's no Hendrick Motorsports cars. In the favorites, how? How? The most winningest drivers ever. <laughs> like I don't mean to turn it up, but Jesus Christ, what were you thinking? Ford hardly ever wins at Martinsville, and Joey Logano in the favorite side. So you know, I mean, if we don't hurry up and put the hottest driver in NASCAR, and I mean he is so good looking, let's put Willie B over there right now. Yeah, I was just gonna say Willie. Willie B. <laughs> We've got to be in the favorites because, I mean, I don't know if there's a hotter driver on the circuit right now than William Byron. NASCAR Race Hub agrees. 
So we're going to add William uh, William Byron to the uh, uh, to the favorites. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> okay. So Taz has stepped away from Junior. So let's make sure that we we know for sure we're certain. All right. Yes, William Byron's a favorite. Willie B is a favorite. Okay. Where do we put Truex? Is he not in the? Where are those? Do you think? Do you think he's a favorite? We we already agreed Byron goes into favorite. Truex Truex is a contender. Is Truex a favorite or a contender? Contender. Okay. Yeah, I would I would vote a contender for sure. Um, we are talking about okay. a guy who did not who, who took a very long time to get his first short track win, but I do believe he does have a, a win at. He does have so. a win at Martinsville. Yes. All right. What about so, Christopher Bell? Willie Bell's got, is, Bell's got a win here. I'd have to say you'd have to put Bell as a favorite. He is the second hottest driver in the Cup Series right now. There is not a doubt in my mind that Christopher Bell, he is now the winningest driver in the Toyota Camp. Uh, in the last what, the last year, I believe he's got five five wins. So uh, yes, uh, Christopher Bell being a favorite is almost a no brainer. All right, so we have our five favorites. We still have room for one more contender. Contenders, we've got Blaney, Keselowski, Bowman, and Truex. Who do you think could be another contender? Obviously, we are missing Chase Briscoe. Okay. Do you think he would be a pretender or contender or an underdog? I find Chase Briscoe more at, at, at the underdog level right now than, than a contender. So I would probably put him in as an underdog heading into this. Okay. What about Ty Gibbs? Are we ready to put him there? Where are we ready to put him we, at? Well, we've got we've got we've got a space <laughs> we've got a space left on contender and a space left on underdog. Think about it. He's had top ten finishes past couple races. I mean, uh, I could definitely uh, does, 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 he, does he even warrant being put on the list? No, because I don't see Tyler Reddick on this list, and I think Tyler Reddick is definitely a superior driver to Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs okay. may be the seventh best driver in the Toyota camp, 
him and Bubba Wallace are probably really close together talent-wise at this point. So they would have to kind of duke that out between them two. But uh, I would definitely put Tyler Reddick in the top five. So, um, so we'll put Reddick as a yeah, I think Reddick is a contender. Yeah, I think so. I think we can agree with that. Okay. All right, so we have one, one more spot left for underdogs. Our underdogs, we have Priest, Josh Berry, Chris Busher, and Chase Briscoe. Who have we missed that could possibly surprise us. Craig, do you have uh, the, uh, do you have an idea? Maybe have one? Florida. Yeah, that's idea. a good one. That's a good one. Very good. What about Harvick? Uh, Harvick should have been on this list. He should be, he should be definitely a, a contender. No, but we've got our contender list. So, do we put Harvick or Suarez as an underdog? Yeah, based off of those two together, you have to put Harvick in if that's that's how we... Yes, I mean, you have to. You have to have Kevin Harvick in. All right. So, no no chance thing. This dude, he rode the wall the last time they were here and had the most spectacular finish that we've ever seen, and he does not even make our list. And I've got the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe we had uh, six of them. I'm not sure. But uh, this is what we have, and we're sending that to Taz Taylor. We are at the two-minute mark of our show. My gosh, we had such an amazing show, Craig. Man, I mean, I see why you stuck along all the time. The the the, the icing is just getting better. Yeah, buddy. I'm wondering. Um, real I'm wondering why you stuck stuck out stuck it out with me for all these years now. I mean, we've been together since what? Well, we've we've been through. I know at least through two relationships and probably 30 jobs. No, that was at least four. (laughs) Four. Damn. (laughs) And then we're still together. (laughs) Yeah. You're my longest running one. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, it's just now, I wait a minute. I, I take offense at that remark <laughs> because Why? I've been with both of you longer than you've been together. Oh, yeah. 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 So I've been doing podcasting for 10 years, and I know that I've been with the 110 since 2015. So eight of the 10 years I've been a, a part of this, this, this team here. That's pretty cool. And um, yeah. I showed up and Miss Lee was already here. So that's how long she's known. She's, she's known. Us. She's, uh, she is the mama bear for sure. And, yeah, uh, she is. I thank you guys. I thank you guys. All right. 
Well, right, well, we don't have to ask Taylor to close out the show. I think he is dealing with uh, with, with uh, some fatherly uh, responsibilities. So we'll try to uh, – anybody got that in front of them or no? No. Says, I guess – okay. All right. So I think this is how it goes. Taz Taylor thanks uh, the sponsors, uh, One Kid Nation, Carolina Sports, Gale Costume Flight Productions, TNT Design. More to music, Miss Lee, just because she's awesome and decides to sit amongst the boys and carry on, uh, which is like, I mean, Jesus, like, where's Miss Lee been? Uh, you know, just a great asset. She has not show. had to get the belt uh, out once this year. You know, I think we played nice. I really do. She hasn't even told <laughs> yeah, you and you I know what. She hasn't even told you and I that we need to sit down and have a private conversation yet this year. You boys, you boys have played nice so far this year. So far, so far, but you know, (laughs) we're only in April. We've still got a long season ahead of us, so you know. Hey, speaking of which, real quick before I forget, yeah, we got a lot of people to thank. Uh, CJ Sports for one of them. Make sure you check out his show tomorrow night. I believe it's tomorrow night. Yes. But, um, yes, and, and we took a week not. off and we didn't fall on our face this week. I think that that's, that's a sign of improvement. Like, that's worth a hand clap. Uh, we, we didn't fall flat on our face after taking last week off. It just showed that we can carry the momentum. Uh, that we had from our last show into this one, which is great because that but, means but, we have established a routine. But real quick, I can't stay out much longer. I got to get up early. I got to fill in for my old man from seven to eight tomorrow on the local radio station. So uh, talk about nerves. Yeah, uh, I got some big shoes to fill. All right, we'll go get them, Tiger. Well, good right. luck. Thank with you that. guys for listening to the show. Play, uh, play some good Garth. All right, that's that's my right, that's my advice. Play Garth Brooks. You got to download the app. No, I'll download the app if you play Garth. All right. That's to be um, which one is my favorite? Like a river. The river. Yeah, the river. Yeah, that's my favorite Garth Brooks song. All right, thank you guys for listening to Race Chat Live. Man, it's been a great night. Of course, we've had Miss Lee Ree here with us, uh, Craig Moore, uh, Taz Taylor, and I'm the caution flag of racing radio, Christopher Creighton. You can find us on Facebook. Make sure that you like our page and you share it. More to come. We'll be uh, back next week as we discuss Martinsville, and I'll be getting ready for our annual trip to Talladega Speedway. Cannot wait. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you. Hey, make sure you follow us on our podcast network. You can find us on all the popular podcast systems, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, or you can listen to us live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Good night, everybody. Maybe I can remember.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.